Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Jamal Cole is the confident, charismatic leader of My Block, My Hood, My City, an organization that brings hope and opportunity to teenagers across Chicago's segregated South and West Sides. Away from the spotlight of his important work, though, Jamal is in the fight of his life as he battles to keep his home out of foreclosure, his marriage alive, and himself out of harm's way. The film called A Tiny Ripple of Hope is premiering at the Slamdance Film Festival. And we're joined today by the director as well as the producer, I believe. You're both wearing both hats. And that would be Jason Polavoy. Jason, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed spending time with Jamal Cole. I thought he was, <laughs> I, I did. And I thought yeah. he's a terrific, as I said in the introduction, a confident young man. But, yeah. as, but he's also committed. It's it's genuine. And uh, I'd be very curious as to how you got to know him. Yeah, I was a fan of what Jamal was doing back as far as about 2015. I bought a hoodie and a t-shirt because that was how they primarily funded the program back then. Um, I was also producing a TV show here in Chicago, and I booked Jamal and some of the teens from his program on the show. Uh, in order to, you know, give them a bit of spotlight. So Jamal and I got to talking afterwards, and I proposed the idea of following him and, and some of his students and kind of getting an idea of of what actually happened in the program and who the real Jamal Cole was. And, uh, and so that's how it sort of all happened. We had those conversations in late 2016, and uh, we started filming in 2017. Sounds like he was all in. I mean, I would imagine seeing the value of raising his profile because that is part of his makeup what his goals are is to raise the profile of the program but also of himself he has some goals in mind and we get into that in the film but uh what were the challenges of kind of uh, getting into his life in terms of any accommodations need to be made or just in terms of just generally following him around he was all in, but I don't think he really understood what that meant from a documentary standpoint. He'll, he'll tell you himself that he was putting on a performance for a lot of it, and I had to break that down. I didn't want to make a promotional video for Jamal Cole and My Block, My Hood, My City. I wanted to make a documentary. You know, when we first started, it wasn't necessarily about the trauma in his life and the uh, hurdles he was going to have to navigate. I mean, it was just about him and the organization. And once we got past that and we got to see the real man and the real emotions behind him and the real struggle is, uh, you know, when we started to get the really compelling footage, you know, it was, it, it, it took a while to get there, but I think that's kind of like um, par for the course when it comes to making a documentary. Well, this was filmed over a period of how long? We filmed for the better part of three years. The film, though, takes place um, over the course of about a year. I'm curious about that as a filmmaker, as someone who does this kind of thing. How difficult, and I imagine it's it changes from subject to subject that when you're doing a documentary film, to navigate that part of the equation where you're, you don't want to be a PR puff piece for someone. You want mm -hmm. to know... This, the whole story. 
How difficult is that for you on a sort of a personal and professional level to kind of nudge your way into that part of the different parts of people's lives? You have to go against a lot of very normal feelings of intrusiveness um, and and minding your own business. You can't mind your own business. Um, when it feels most awkward is when you have to push even further. Um, when they say no, you have to keep asking. Um, and that's hard. It For some people, it comes naturally just yeah. to, you know, be curious in that way and not be concerned about how they're perceived. But it is a fine line to walk, um, especially between a, a filmmaker and their subject. You know, the great thing about the relationship that I have with Jamal is that he understands that I do actually believe in what he's doing. I'm not trying to make a film that casts him in any specific way only to say like, here's this man, here's what he's doing. Um, and my point of view is that he's doing it well. So if you come to it from a place of trust, then ultimately you'll get, um, you'll get the access that you need, but it takes, you know, it takes pushing aside some of those, uh, some of those emotions of like, I shouldn't be, t I shouldn't be doing this. This is not my business <laughs> right? <laughs> to actually get the really great, the great film. Yeah. And, and part of the reason I asked is because uh, Jamal's going through some uh, difficult times in his marriage. Mm -hmm. And as we see in the film, you interview his wife at the time. I don't know where their status is now, but at the time, his wife. And it, it seemed like she kind of drew a line in the sand in terms of her involvement in the film. Yeah, But it is. And, and at the end of the day, in order, the difference between, and people confess this out pretty quickly when they're watching a, a film, be the difference between a puff piece and something that's actually real something is and in and in some ways it makes him a more compelling person to to be the subject of the film because it's the human things that we all relate to that he's going through and one version or another in our own lives so it it makes yeah. for a better film and it makes for it makes it makes him look better i say better but i mean it makes him look relatable and I more human more yeah human. definitely yeah. i mean his his wife at the time did draw a, a very specific line in the sand and that was that i don't want to participate in this whatever it is it's not i'm not a public figure like you are jamal um and so we got you know one interview and she didn't kick us out of her house or anything but um yeah. it was just kind of understood that she was not going to really be a character um in this and what made that difficult was it would have been a much richer um, portrayal of their relationship if we had her point of view in there. Um, but we only had Jamal's. So we really had to be respectful of that um, and not portray yeah. Tiffany, his wife at the time, um, in any in any particular way because we weren't you know, because she wasn't there to give her own side of the story. So it's, you know, we had to tiptoe around that a little bit. Yeah. Well, thank you for indulging me in that because it's, it's, I'm always curious. I don't often ask filmmakers about this part of the filmmaking process, but in this particular case, it kind of struck me that this is something that that's an important part of the story. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the work that's being done by my block, my hood, my city, uh, and why it's important, why it's significant. Yeah, so it's it's kind of twofold. It starts with Jamal's Explorers program, which is the after-school program he runs for teenagers on the segregated south and west sides of Chicago. Uh, a lot of these kids have never left their block or their street, um, 
And, and it goes as far as not knowing that we have a lake in this city, um, <laughs> Lake Michigan. And Jamal will take them to the beach and they'll say, what ocean is that? And it's a product of disinvestment, decades and decades and decades of disinvestment in these communities. And uh, so what Jamal does is he takes them on educational field trips throughout the city. Uh, so they get to try different cuisines, uh, learn about different cultures, different jobs that they never knew existed. Um, and I think that's really amazing. It, it empowers them um, to say like, hey, it's not just my block or my hood. It is my city as well. I'm welcome in these places. Um, it's it belongs to me. Um, and the second part of uh, the program is one that builds community around these teens. Um, you know, like I said, we're an extremely segregated city. Um, and so what Jamal wants to do is break down those barriers and bring people together from all over the city. And he does that by um, organizing volunteer meetups, essentially. Um, you know, in the film, we see several of them, but, uh, you know, a big one is shoveling snow for seniors. <laughs> and in a pivotal moment um, in the film, Jamal is able to bring people from all over the city to his neighborhood, to Chatham, which is on the south side on 79th Street, um, to, to help shovel. And it's a, it's a function of humanity, you know, but what you really don't understand unless you understand the history of Chicago is to get white people to go down to Chatham to 79th street is a huge accomplishment. Um, to make those people care about what's happening in those neighborhoods is really impressive. Um, he is imparting uh, a spirit of interconnectivity on the city and it's making a real difference. I want to remind our listeners, we're talking with Jason Polavoy. He's the director and producer of a new documentary film called A Tiny Ripple of Hope, and it is premiering at the Slamdance Film Festival. I believe that starts uh, the, February 12th through yes, the... Yes, February yeah, 12th through the 25th. 25th. And congratulations on premiering there. I am a big fan of Slamdance. Thank so, you. Yeah, but I think that uh, Slamdance has done a wonderful job of finding um, its place in the, in the strata of great uh, film festivals. So. We're really excited to be a part of it, and uh, and I will be eternally grateful to the folks at Slamdance for this opportunity. Well, I do want to talk a little bit about Chicago because I do think it's important to mm -hmm. talk about the kind of the context of what you were describing, people who literally did not know about Lake Michigan or all of that stuff. I said to you before we started this formal part of our conversation that I recall Martin Luther King once saying that of all the places in, in America that he was, he led demonstrations against racism and housing inequity and health and wealth inequity and all the rest of it. He once said that the one place he thought he was actually going to die was when he led a demonstration on housing in Chicago. I think that says a lot of what you were talking about earlier. Yeah. The perception of Chicago as a violent, dangerous city was earned through decades and decades and decades of, of disinvestment and, quite frankly, institutional racism. You know, Fred Hampton was murdered in his bed by the Chicago um, Police Department. The reason these neighborhoods are the way they are is not because of the people that live in them. The people that live in these neighborhoods are normal, everyday, hardworking people. You know, the violence in Chicago comes in about 11 of our 70 plus communities. Um, so it's not everywhere. Um, but the places that it is, is because of the socioeconomic conditions that these 
that these folks have lived under their entire lives and that their parents lived under and that their grandparents lived under. Uh, Jamal realizes that the kids in these neighborhoods have the same value as the kids in every other neighborhood in the city that don't suffer from this same disinvestment. And oftentimes all they need is to know that the rest of the city belongs to them, that they can get on the CTA, they can get on the L train for 10 minutes and be in a different world that isn't plagued by drugs and gang violence. And that's a really amazing thing. You know, I didn't want to make a film that portrayed Chicago um, in the way that the national media always does. Um, I wanted to make a film that showed the good things that are happening in these in these neighborhoods and the good people that are there. And you do. And that is part of this. And you mentioned zip codes. And I, my love of documentary filmmakers is, is goes wide and deep. And so I, I do want to kind of throw a shout out to Judith Helfand, who did a documentary called uh, Cooked Survival by mm -hmm. Zip Code about mm -hmm. Chicago and to sort of to reinforce the notion of what you're describing. Yeah, yeah that's a um, there's I would say if you're going to pair our documentary with a couple other ones, if you're doing your research on on disinvestment in Chicago, Cooked is a really good one. And then obviously Hoop Dreams is the yeah. is the original. So yeah. that's that's the film that made me want to become a filmmaker. Yeah, Steve James. Uh, shout out to Steve James. Yeah. And he also did something recently called City So Real. He loves mm -hmm. Chicago. It's his love of Chicago is is remarkable. And he yeah. and he cares so much about it as well as you do too. Are you now are you where do you live? Uh, I live in a in a neighborhood called Rogers Park in Chicago. Okay. Uh, which is on the far north side of the city. It's one of the most diverse neighborhoods in the city. It's where Loyola University is. It's a it's a great place. I've, I would assume uh, Jamal has seen the film. Some of the other people in the film have seen it. What's been the reaction? Jamal's first reaction was to say that he was embarrassed. Um, and that is because, you know, I did break down that image of Jamal Cole, you know, community superhero and showed his vulnerability and um, the human side of him. And, and he's also said that he's really glad that that happened because he needs people to know that he's not rich and he's not, he doesn't have unlimited resources. You know, if people continue to believe that, this person or this organization doesn't need their help, you know, then they're going to disappear. He's not the American Red Cross or the Salvation Army. Like this is a mom and pop operation. So I think he sees the value in, in showing the vulnerability. I believe it's world premieres at Slamdance. It's a warm hearted, but realistic look at the situation that Jamal has created for himself in terms of the expectations for my block, my hood, my city, mm -hmm. what he wants from it, what he wants from his own life. And I think he's, as you said, it seems to be that his, since this was filmed, it seems that he is doing better. Yeah. I'm, I mean, from an organizational standpoint, the year that we show in the film um, kind of sets up where he is now. And uh, he was a he was a big figure in the coronavirus response, Chicago's coronavirus response, often with the mayor and with the governor of Illinois. Um, and he was a leader in the uh, protests this past summer after the George Floyd murder. So um, he has he has a huge profile and a huge voice in Chicago. His organization is doing really well. He raised over a million dollars uh, for small businesses in Chicago. It's kind of incredible. 
that you see my block, my hood, my city everywhere. Um, and now we have this, this document to show like, here's where he came from. Um, it's, it feels like we, we had some amazing foresight that we definitely did not have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, good luck is a residue of hard work, right? Okay. And, I like and, that. Yeah. yeah and uh, uh, that's fantastic. Well, I'm so happy for you. Happy for the film, uh, A Tiny Ripple of Hope. And also it's it's from something that Robert Kennedy said mm-hmm. uh, and during his life, which is that that sets off that can, those tiny ripples of hope can turn into a wave that can bring about real change and yeah jamal says it can uh, knock down the mightiest walls of oppression so there you go there you go jason polavoy thank you very much for spending some time with us here on film school radio and thank you so much for the film a tiny ripple of hope and congratulations on slam dance by the way it's a virtual film yes. festival so check it out slamdance.com congratulations i hope you'll come back and join us again sometime thank you for having me i appreciate it You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.